2: Jordan, now it's
1: gets two! Gilmore on oh! the Oh! Oh! The Toledo, Artis, you get 21!
0: 4.28 to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Barry.
1: Jordan, open, Chicago with the
0: lead! hello and welcome back to the over and back classic nba podcast i am jason mann with with me always is uh rich crach and we are continuing our conversation with on the uh, top 50 greatest players in uh nba history we have back with us uh curtis harris from uh prohoopshistory.com and um before we get into our final players uh Curtis, we wanted you to talk a little bit about uh so, something that you mentioned earlier uh, offline um that vexed you about the original creation of the uh top 50 greatest players list. So, um so so you have the floor. Please explain. <laughs> all right, uh, thank you for the floor.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. So, my problem my major problem with the NBA's 50 greatest player list in 97 was they're trying to whitewash and create some historical amnesia as to how the NBA actually started cuz like they're like oh we started the 1946-47 season it's like no 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 that's that's when the basketball association of america the baa got started the nba national basketball association that didn't start until 1949 um and you just look at the name of the league like well how did you go from the basketball association to the national basketball association it's because they merged with the National Basketball League, and that had been around since the late '30s. And it's not just like a matter of names; it's also just a matter of like respecting what that other league brought uh, to what became the NBA. So, the first, good lord, like I think it's like the first five. Um, Five, six. I think like the first five or six of the first seven NBA champions were all from the NBL. So uh, like the Minneapolis Lakers, the Syracuse Nationals, uh, those teams won. Also uh, the Rochester Royals, those teams won like the first I believe five or six NBA championships. And for the NBA to act like they just magically showed up out of the out of the ether, uh, like they didn't come from anywhere else, uh, I think does a huge disservice to when you talk about what people contributed to what becomes the NBA. And the fact that it is, you know, today the Los Angeles Lakers, the Sacramento Kings, the Atlanta Hawks, Philadelphia 76ers, uh, Detroit Pistons, and I'm forgetting the last game. There's six of them, but uh, like six NBA franchises today started from the NBL. So um, the NBA, if they want to make this list for 50 greatest players, they should have waited until 2000 to do it because that was 50 years after the NBA really got started. Um, so yeah, that's why on my list, we can talk about, I don't know when, later on, whenever. Uh, when I made my list, I made sure to include people from the NBL, because I consider that part of the NBA's history, uh, the NBL and the BAA. They're both equal, uh, probably NBL more so, not just equal. The NBL contributed more to what became the NBA. So they should be included when you talk about, uh, the NBA's anniversaries, when those years happen and the players that get included in these discussions
0: yeah d- definitely um well said thank you um yeah we're gonna talk of a few about some of maybe the the snubs of the um uh worth discussing at the end of the show so i think we can talk about you know some of the players that um you looked at some of the earlier players or just some of the you know whoever we want to talk about i think we definitely could uh, uh talk about that then um but first, we'll get back into the uh, players that were on the top 50 list, uh, starting with uh, Dave Cowens, who is um, uh, listed as bubble, although I could definitely see a case for him being on the likely uh, side. He was kind of right in between there. Uh, center from uh, 1971 to 1983, um, actually did retire in '80 and then came back briefly in '83, right, or more than briefly. But, um, he had, it was a break there. Um, he uh, did win an MVP in 1973, um, although it is kind of a, a, a sketchy MVP because his production was significantly less than, um, than Kareem, um, and it actually was sixth in the NBA in win shares that year. So, although they had a very good team, so it's understandable, but I, I still think that MVP is a little bit, uh, of a, of a bullshit MVP. Uh, uh, he was a three-time All-NBA, um, uh, second team, uh, one time on the all-defensive first team and one time or two times on the all-defensive second team. 118th in win shares and 136th in win shares per 48. Uh, three times was a top 10 in the league in uh, win shares. And um, it's kind of interesting because he is both benefits and hurts from being a Celtic in the sense that I think he's both, you know just because he's a celtic there's just sort of like an extra aura behind like anybody who played for the great teams in that franchise but the teams that he played for are more the forgotten teams in the great celtics history
2: yeah that's an interesting
0: way to put it like
2: i've i've had that in my mind but i've never expressed it that way that's a great way to think about it um yeah, you know, great franchise, but these are the forgotten championships for the great franchise uh, that he contributed to. Uh, and, the, and the MVP that you brought up, that was definitely uh, dubious, to say the least. Um, <laughs> he he didn't even make, I don't think he made the All-NBA First Team that year. I think Kareem got the All-NBA First Team, but he still got the MVP uh, that season. So the voting was all kinds of messed up. Um, I think at that point, I think players voted on MVP at that point, and riders voted for the all NBA teams. So and that, maybe that's where that comes from. But that, that's uh, right. Yeah. But yeah. He didn't deserve it. Yeah. He didn't deserve that MVP, but he got it. So uh, good for him. <laughs> uh, and of course, this all, you know, this is like a turning into a pejorative term for white players today. But Dave Cowan did hustle his ass off when he played. Like, truly hustled up and down the court. Like, that was his greatest attribute was, like, the guy did not quit and was so fiery and so feisty. And I'm, you, you can probably count, like, genuinely count the number of games that this guy won for the Celtics for the fear, for sheer fact that he was just out there, like, just yelling and screaming and diving for balls. Like, the teammates were probably like, you know, we can't mess this up because Dave might lose his mind. Like, we got to win this game. Otherwise, Dave might not make it out alive. So, uh, and quit. Quit in the late seventies for a little bit because he felt like, you know, I should be give, I should be out here playing, like I am gonna die if we lose this game. He's like, Oh, I don't feel that way right now. I should retire for a little bit. And then he got it back and came back and felt good for a couple of years. So uh that was his best quality, that sheer determination and the hustle. Uh and yeah, he's above a bubble player though. Because um, Yeah, he did have a extremely long career at a really high level. And um Yeah. Like he had some really good stats, but they weren't, you know, jumping off the page, uh, especially his field goal percentage.
1: Yeah. He's a guy. Yeah. There's not much more to add. I mean, he doesn't really jump out. You know, true shooting wise, uh, among his peers, you know, he's 40th out of 43, uh, <laughs> uh, field goal percentage. He's 36 and then rebounds per game third. So obviously the shooting out there, the rebounding there, he's an interesting one. I, I I really don't have any other strong kind of thoughts or takes on him, but yeah, he'll be, he'll be an interesting one to look at as we go farther. But I, I think he's solidly in the bubble and solidly one of the guys we probably will remove when it's all said and done, but not a bad career at all. Just, you know, for the purposes of this list, it'll, it'll be tough to kind of keep him along.
0: Yeah. Uh, so next is Patrick Ewing who we have as likely he was a uh, center played from 1986, to 2002, mostly for the Knicks. Um, he had one all NBA first team, six times on the second team, also three times on the all defensive second team, uh, 39th in wind shares, 97th in wind shares per 48 had, um, five seasons in the top 10 in wind shares in the league. Um, and, uh, was a you know, was definitely both an excellent uh scorer and defender, but you know, um, didn't necessarily meet the lofty expectations for him. And it's and one thing that's difficult is that he played in an era with some other incredible centers playing, um, right at the same time and does sort of fall short of the levels of, um, of those guys, but still, you know, uh, very good, uh, and a um. Um, you know, it shouldn't and definitely, I you know, I think is, um, uh, you know, likely to uh, be on this list, obviously. Curtis, what do you think? Yeah, first off, anybody that you know, any, any
2: Knicks fans that might be out there, or any people generally who think like Patrick Ewan didn't live up to the potential or were disappointed, uh, that they need to get over themselves first off because, uh, this guy scored. 20 points a game, over 20 points a game, until he was in his mid-30s. So, uh, like, if you're getting that out of your center, like, you just need to be happy the guy was around that long to score you 20 to 25 points a game for, like, 15 straight years. Like, just and getting 10 rebounds a game at that and blocking three shots a game at that. So, um, maybe he wasn't good enough to lead the team to a championship all on his own, but, like, the fact they didn't win a championship, that's not his fault. Um, I think this guy did all he could. He left it all on the table, and if you knew me 15 years ago, this would be an amazing statement on my behalf because I used to hate Patrick Ewing with all my heart. But <laughs> after I went back, I had like a soul searching moment with Patrick Ewing because like I loved the Kim Olajuwon when I was younger, I still do. And I was like, "Well, Dikembe's the greatest," and Patrick Ewing like opposed him in the finals. Ewing sucks. And I've gone back and looked at it, and I've like reassessed Patrick Ewing. I'm like, you know what, this guy was. He was really, really good. Injuries got him at the end of his career. And that's when people started having this stupid Ewing theory stuff. It's like, yeah, if you remove an old center who's banged up, like, yes, your team will get better. But (laughs) that's not Pepper Ewing being a problem. That's an old center that's banged up. Yes, it would probably be better if he had a young center take his place. But for for the previous 15 years, like, the guy was giving you all he had. And like, what else could you ask for? So um, I'm thinking this guy's definitely very likely, uh, if not a sure thing
1: yeah I'm with you on that i I think i'm I'm totally in on, on on Ewing and I think he's he's a very likely guy for sure and i I don't see a scenario where we take him off I mean everything's kind of there uh stats wise he grades out pretty well I mean uh, amongst peers he 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 can sort of he's not elite level but he's sort of right in that next stage you know amongst in, in terms of advanced stats and stuff like that but yeah overall I think what he did for that franchise and, and and anybody that discredits you know what he did or what he was able to accomplish in his career as you said like I, I again I'm, I'm with you I'm a I grew up a Chicago Bulls fan and I hated Patrick Gumi as a kid but now sort of the 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 objective mind of myself i can i can sort of look at it and go okay no this guy was really good a really important player to that team and that franchise or whatever and yeah the ewing theory is just an unbelievably stupid thing that i cannot believe continues to be perpetuated when i mean that guy had uh, yeah like you said you're replacing uh your aging center with no knees with uh, an upstart center who then would stay in the league for what you know next 15 years yeah that that it's unbelievable that you guys would do Better in that space. But yeah, so it, very, very weird stuff. Yeah, but I, I think Ewing is, is definitely a guy in the top 50 for sure.
0: All right. And uh, next we have uh, Robert Parrish, who we have um, uh, as, as likely um, a center from uh, 1977 to 1997, the most number of seasons in NBA history. Oh, that's going to, we're going to get a challenge on that pretty soon. Um, and uh, well, first, um, a one time all NBA second team one time on the third team, a 25th in wind shares, 80th in wind shares per 48 uh, had three top 10 seasons in a uh, wind shares. And of course, uh, again, part of the uh, the uh, Celtics eighties teams that won three championships was a, you know, very important player in all three. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's the chief. He's um, uh, it just, a tremendous career, very long career, and um, um Curtis, what do you have to add? Uh, I think he's. I guess at the very beginning of this
2: one, we talked about our criteria, and I brought him up specifically as like you know, um, you no. Know, how do you judge the the peak of someone's career with the longevity of their career? And I think. Unfortunately, I'm thinking Parrish is more of a bubble, less of a likely guy, because his peak was pretty good. Like, it was almost 20 and 10, almost. He didn't quite ever get to 20 points. Got to 19.9, almost there.
1: But <laughs> oh. <laughs> never,
2: got there, never got there to 20 points. Um, but, like, the, the peak just wasn't, like, superb. Like, it was really good. It was maybe great, if you want to say that, for maybe a year or two. But, um what he's got going for him is that he did play for it just a really really long time at a really good level like you know the guy's almost 40 years old and he's still you know starting for the Celtics and still almost putting up a double double so uh, there's something to be said for that but I'm not sure it's enough to get him as a top 50 player so I'm a little more hesitant on putting Parrish on the list um, but you know if you make the the longevity argument he's the guy to go to because like you know there is something to be said for a player who can play for
1: 20 years and be you know relevant and productive every single one of those seasons yeah he's an interesting case uh the longevity he's he's the guy yeah like you said if, if we're gonna ever talk about a guy with longevity versus peaks and that sort of stuff he he's the guy and he's the one you talk about and he's the one you you sort of focus in on because yeah he had uh, as you mentioned it doesn't really jump out in any statistical category. He's not, you know, in all-time leaderboards for for any sort of rate stuff. Yeah, he gets in there for minutes and some other stuff just because he played as long, but efficiency stuff. He, he's not quite up there. Uh, you know, among his peers, 19th in true shooting, uh, 10th in field goal percentage, 18th in rebounds per games, 22nd in blocks per game. So, you know, it's you, you kind of get this just average among his peers, but average for 20 years or, or at least average to good uh, for 20 years. I mean, there, there's got probably something to be said for that so yeah he he's an interesting one yeah Curtis you said you would put him more on the bubble than the likely
2: yeah like that that's just me like I think mm-hmm. from a popular standpoint I think he's more likely just from like a general basketball fans sure. view. but just my my opinion I think he's more of a bubble person okay
1: Jason, what, 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 do you think? Have you changed your mind at all? Or, or you think he's one that we'll probably end up talking a little bit about more? Uh, down the Um,
0: line? I, I would still lean more toward likely, but I certainly see the case for bubble and I, you know, he's definitely a guy who could get pushed down as we bring in more, you know, got guy, more guys as we, as we, you know, kind of consider things. Um, I mean, he was really good in his late 30s. I mean, he had some really strong um, seasons. I mean, 1991 when he was 37, I mean, he had, um, you know, he had a a 20.6 PER in 2,400 minutes. Um, He had, um, you know, he had 10 win shares. I mean, he was really still producing well. And those, you know, those teams were still pretty good uh even at that point. Um so I mean he was helping carry things along with um you know, along with mikhail along with Bird doing what he could do, you know, along with you know, Reggie Lewis and, and young guys, you know, at that point kind of emerging, but I you know, he was still a pretty strong force on those teams. I mean, I agree that the, the peaks are not, you know, there with what like you know, um with what some of the elite big men, but I think he was very good for long enough where and was you know important i I think this is definitely something where being part of winning teams was you know benefits him but i think like you know he deserves that benefit so but you know there's a lot of really strong big men who might be ahead of him that might knock him down a little bit it's you know it's a tough call
1: i got nothing more to add on robert unfortunately (laughs) sorry
0: (laughs) I'll, uh, I think we'll move on to our next choice. Then, uh, Willis Reed, who we have listed as likely a power forward and center for the Knicks from 65 to 74. Part of those, you know, very good Knicks teams that we mentioned. He, uh, one is one time MVP, uh, one time on the all NBA first team, four times on the all NBA second team. He was, um, once on the all NBA, uh, defensive first team, which began in the middle of his career, uh, 169th in wind chairs had relatively short career 78th in wind chairs per 48 which is stronger and four seasons in the top 10 in wind chairs um you know definitely some of the intangibles in terms of uh you know being the emotional leader of his team or being the you know just uh being so incredibly tough and being you know tough-minded and focused that you know um, willing his you know, team to greater heights than it may have otherwise achieved. Uh, The numbers are good, but not necessarily uh, that stellar. Um, Curtis, how do you feel about, uh, about Willis Reed?
2: Uh, Well, he's, you know, bringing it back to uh, Billy Cunningham from the previous show. uh, He had a kind of a similar thing going on where he had like this five-year nugget where he was just like, you know, one of the five to 10 best players, without a doubt, and one year they thought he was the best player in the NBA when he won the MVP award, uh, but that's only five years. Um, so that's – it's a great peak, but it is a fairly short peak because uh, the first couple of years in the NBA, uh, he did get rookie of the year, but um, this is not his fault, but he had to share a time with Walt Bellamy, so uh, he kind of like slid over the power forward, and that was not his spot, so – uh, but that's how his career unveiled, uh, un, you know, developed. You know, he kind of had a share of time with that, and that kind of put a dent, dent in his stats. But then those next five years, he was able to start as center, uh, you know, be the man on the Knicks, and got them really well, uh, got them to a really good spot, excuse me. Uh, but then the last three years of his career were just injury riddled, um, and he just didn't produce a lot the last three years of his career. So, uh, I, like, I'm not trying to dock him points. So, like, the guy can't help if he gets hurt. He can't help if he has to, you know, share time with Walt Bellamy, but uh, it is what it is. He had five, yeah. you know, truly, seriously productive years in the NBA, uh, but he got two championships out of it, stole a finals MVP as we talked about. <laughs> uh, so I hate to do it, Tony, because I understand the power and the value that he had on those Knicks teams sure. and I like truly do, but I think he's more of a bubble person as well when you look at just uh the totality of what he brought uh, to the Knicks for the amount of time he did it.
1: Yeah, I'd probably bump him down to uh, Bubble as well. I mean, looking at, uh, you know, advanced stats and stuff like that, he he does not grade out very well among, you know, 18 of of his peers – uh, you know, forwards of his era, you know, he's ninth in true shooting, 10th in field goal percentage, seventh in rebounds per game, seventh in win shares per 40. I mean, he just doesn't stand out as much again, you know, against forwards of his era. And a lot of that is, you know, like the longevity and the injuries and and, and things like that. But yeah, it, it's, it, it, and Curtis, like you said, I mean, I think that's one of the things that we, you know, we're going to have to tackle through this whole project as well Is that. Yeah. You can bring up like legit excuses. You know, the guy got hurt, this guy did this, he were played behind that, but it's all a part of the resume. Like there's only so much, you know, those things count, you, you know, the fact that Penny Hardaway's knees, you know, were went to hell that that counts like we have to count that so yeah. there's 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 stuff like that so i mean he's a guy who yeah you, you hate to kind of dock him for stuff like that playing behind a guy getting her you know doing that sort of stuff but it's part of the thing so yeah I, he he's kind of a guy that strikes me as you know we have him as likely now i could see him sort of being one of the one of the likely guys that that one push comes to shove we could, might be you know talking about removing him or, or moving him off this list because i think he's a fairly easy one to sort of bump off if, if you really really wanted to but you know, against this the initial top fifty list, I don't know if he's sore or out of place, but on today's list, he, he might be.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: I, yeah. Good point. Thinking, like, yeah, 50 winners,
0: so. yeah, thinking more about it, I, I I can I am sympathetic. I think maybe more moving him more to the high bubble would be would make more sense. And I think the comparison to Cunningham is good. And I didn't really think about that. <laughs> yeah, time, that's but, a great one. But I do agree that, like, yeah, the the lack of longevity is definitely kind of more of an issue than I initially thought. So I think that's uh, – so good discussion, guys. All right, that's it, right? We're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Our podcast next...
1: on Willis Reed is over. So, yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: so next is – Oh yeah. Yeah. The the Knicks fans are going, well, we, we said nice things about Patrick Ewing. I don't know uh, if that balances out or not, or if that, you know, I don't
1: think so. No, no, no. As we, we, we remember that. I mean, people hate when we ever say anything bad about those Knicks, those seventies Knicks teams, they get very, very upset. We get like from the bowels of the internet, we get like people getting mad at it. Like, I I don't know who these people are. And they're like, no, you, like it's yeah, no, the the Patrick Ewing will not make up for that. No, we will definitely hear about this one. So (laughs) Sorry.
0: Rich, what Knicks fan hurt you? You know, you, you, you you have definitely like a lot of damage when it comes to. Well, I
1: grew up, I mean, as I said, I grew up a Bulls fan and they just, you know, I I had to watch that stupid team all the time. You know, as, as a fan in the, their late, you know, nineties, early two thousands, they, you know, they they weren't the most particularly fun team or engaging team again. And then, yeah, I I don't know. They're, they're yeah. Curtis is with me. They overrate. They love their, they love their history and there's not much there.
2: I didn't say overrated. I said I just hated them. I didn't say they're overrated. Um, <laughs> uh, that well, that's well, another we discussion get, for another We don't day, want to, get, but,
0: we don't want to get Curtis in trouble. We're we'll, we'll take the heat for this one. But, all right, fine. Yeah, I'll take it then. That's fine. All right. But, um. So next we have David Robinson, who is uh, very likely, probably my first very likely uh to be to be in uh at least in that 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 tier for sure. Um. Center from 1990 to 2003. Won an MVP. Was once Defensive Player of the Year. Um, also has four all NBA first teams, two times in the second team, four times in the third team, also four times all NBA, uh, de- all defensive first team and four times all defensive second team. So lots of honors there, 14th all time in, in wind shares and second all time in win shares per 48, uh, really impressive advanced stats. Um, I think he's pretty much a, uh, slam dunk even stands up well against, uh, you know, the great centers that he, played against Wan and um, Ewing. Um, uh, Curtis, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I remember when I – God, this was such a long time ago, but I remember when I first found Basketball Reference, and I started like getting into all these advanced stats and trying to figure out what they were. And I was just stunned at how high David Robinson ranked on all the advanced stats. I was like, was this guy, like, tailor-made for, like, the advanced stats they were creating, like PR <laughs> and win shares and all this stuff? Like, because he just maxes out on every single one of them. Um, but, yeah, he's very likely to be on here. Uh, this guy was just incredible to watch. Um, y- you know, God, what was that nonsense? Like, the 2012 Olympics? And they are like, oh, look at the 2012 Olympic team beat the 1992 Dream Team. And some idiot—I don't even know who remember who it was—but it's was probably just some jackass on the internet. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but like, fan. oh, those, he's probably a those Knicks fan. I guarantee some, it. Yeah, probably <laughs> wasn't the Knicks fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was like, oh, those centers from the '92 team couldn't hang with the guys from 2012. I was like, have you seen David Robinson play? Like, he was a center, but this guy ran the floor. Um, oh yeah. Another great thing I read from Bill Simmons' book, like the way he described David Robinson, like he just like just. It was like a battleship, just like, you know, just going down the court. And, like, that's the perfect way to describe him. Like, he's from the Navy, so it fits all well. He's the admiral. And this guy just had, like, a purpose when he was going down the court. And, like, you just toss him the ball, he'd catch it, take two steps, and that ball's being dunked over people's heads. Like, um, people today uh, who watch basketball probably remember like, younger people If they ever saw David Robinson, they remember him after the back injury. So he was a lot more stiff, was like the second fiddle to Tim Duncan. So it was like, oh, he's the role player. He wouldn't have won anything without Tim Duncan, which is true by that point. But the first half of his career, he was just such an athletic marvel. Like, I mean, I wish everyone would just go back and watch like a good five-minute highlight reel of David Robinson. They would just see just unbelievable dunks, blocks, just movement. Um, just absolutely one of the best centers I ever played. So this guy is absolutely very likely.
1: Yeah, he, he's a slam dunk for me. I mean, there's really nothing you can bring up that really taints his his, his numbers at all or anything there. I mean, like you said, advanced stats love him. And it's not even just like the, because people bring up like the win shares per 48, which which they love as well. But like even the ones that we've had kind of recently added a basketball reference and recently sort of getting, gotten a lot more steam, like value over replacement player, he's first among his peers and, and not even close. It's 80.9 to a uh, 57.7, which uh, is just ridiculous. I think the second was Patrick Ewing. Like it wasn't even close. Uh, he's first in box plus minus. He's first, as mentioned, in win shares 48 it's just everything that he does you know advanced stats love him normal stats love him. i mean the guy I, I i think absolutely he the only thing he seems to he does get like underrated it seems by most a lot of people like people watching him and, and like curtis like you said a lot of that could be a lot of you know current People that, that are in the media or, or current writers or bloggers or whatever are memories of him. And at least my memories, I can attest to that a lot of the memories are like you said, the post back injury where he wasn't nearly as dynamic as he was, but yeah, he's absolutely to me a slam dunk for this list and top 50 all time. No doubter for me.
0: Yeah. And I think the um, other thing oh, is that, the. go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'll say like, I'll be remiss if I didn't mention that. Akim Olajuwon
2: just totally kicked his ass in the 95 playoffs.
1: So. Yes. Yeah, we did. We did make a little note <laughs> of that as
2: well. That, yeah,
1: that's, that didn't help either. That, uh yeah, that, that yeah. That I happened. think that's it, that's honestly, I think mean, that
0: that's a really major like contributor to the idea that he's not as good. His sure. reputation isn't quite as good as it should be because of that. And yeah, I mean, he did. Although he, I mean, he played pretty. He he produced okay in those playoffs too. But yeah, obviously, he came just smashed him uh, for sure. So yeah,
2: yeah, that, that, that's overplayed. Like, the king did clearly outplay him, and like, I'm happy that happened because I love the king, but. That the Davis caught Davis caught a little too much heat uh for what happened in that series. Like he wasn't the only player on this team. Like the rest of the team kinda dropped the ball too. So um But but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh that shouldn't be held yeah. too much against him. Like it happened, but it shouldn't be that's not his whole career. So
0: Yeah. And those early 90s Spurs teams were really generally really good too. They just, you know, they had some they had some bad chemistry especially with Rodman in there and they had, you know, they had some other issues, but they, you know, they were perennial playoff teams that had some deep runs and, you know, and were, you know, um you know, the Spurs have been good for a while. <laughs> so yeah, as, yeah,
1: we talked about that. There was yeah. uh, another podcast that we had recently where we talked about where people sort of assumed that the Duncan era set off this great era of Spurs basketball or whatever. It really, I mean, David Robinson comes there. You know, as first year, I think they missed the playoffs, and then since then, it's it's other than the year where he was out, it's been clear since since the moment he arrived yeah. there. So that that's well, people kind of forget People yeah. sort of. Yeah, people kind of jump in on, oh, Tim Duncan comes and the Spurs are ready to go. Well, no, they were ready to go already with with David Robinson. They've just been, you know, they've had this just gigantic run of success. Like you said, yeah, three decades now of of doing it. But David Robinson's one of the big, you know, catalysts of that. So.
0: Uh, So next we have uh, Nate Thurmond, who we have on the bubble, Uh, center from 1964 to 77, mostly with the Warriors. Um, He did not have any All-NBA appearances uh, twice on the All-Defensive Team First Team list, which Came fairly late in his career, uh, three times in the all-defensive second team as well. He's 151st in wind chairs. He was uh, never in the top 50 in windchairs for 48 uh, and was not in the top 10 in uh, wind chairs or PER for uh, his career. Um, he is 11th all-time in total rebounds um, and uh, led his team to the finals in 67 along with Rick Barry. Uh, actually was second in MVP that year as well. Um, other than that, though, not really. I, I was a little bit surprised in the lack of all NBA uh, appearances. Although, Curtis, I know you've mentioned, you know, obviously he was behind Russell and um, and Chamberlain during that time. And I think he's, he's done fairly well as you've gone through the 60s and 70s and done your, um, you know, what-if third teams um, for, you know, all NBA.
2: Yeah, he had the misfortune of getting stuck behind – uh as you said wilton russell during the 60s then in the late 60s when like you know uh, russell started to fade a little bit willis reed then came up like just kept him out and then when chamberlain started to falter a little bit then kareem comes in and keeps him out and then chamberlain had a little renaissance and then by that point Nate thurman's like in his 12th year so he's starting to fade so it's like well too late no all no all nba teams for you um so that's like a you know a decade stretch where he was the third or fourth best center in the NBA, but he has no All NBA teams to show for it because the one and two guys were always, you know, you know they they weren't you know incredibly better than him, but they were clearly better than him. So it's just like of course they're going to get the first and second All NBA team nods. So that's unfortunately going to be a detriment against him, not his fault. Um, also not his fault. Rick Barry going to the ABA. Terrible decision. Uh, because they made the finals in 67. Probably odds on favor to make it back in 68, but Rick Barry went to go play for his uh father-in-law in the ABA, so he jumps leagues. And so, well, Nate Thurman's, you know, opportunity for team success might have got a title. Uh that went out the window with Rick Barry. And uh did of course in the cruel irony, like uh 75, he got traded to the Chicago Bulls by the Warriors, and then that's the year the Warriors won their title in 75. So <laughs> um but that's enough of the bad breaks for Nate Thurman. He did suck at shooting the ball. Uh, there's no way to yes. get around that. He yeah, was that, a that...
1: terrible. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> yeah, they... I didn't know he was as bad as he was until I started kind of doing the look here, and I was like, yeah. oh boy, he's really yeah. bad, and and it, like historically bad among like all players, and then just like ungodly like turn like close the browser bad against like. The centers of his era, I mean, dead last in uh, field goal percentage, 22nd out of 23 in true shooting, 15th even in free throw, not even a good free throw shooter. Just, yeah, just really, really historically bad shooter for his position, his era, and pretty much everything. So,
2: Yeah, no, but, you know, now he's a bad scorer, but he was a – I think in the end he was a plus offensive player because he was a very good passer uh, from the center Mm -hmm. spot. Um, And, like, let's not forget, like, uh, he had the first – recorded, emphasis on that, the first recorded quadruple-double in NBA history. So that shows his versatility. Like, wasn't a great score, but he could pass it really well, rebounded incredibly good, and was a fantastic shot blocker, uh
1: fantastic defender. So um, And world-class hair. Okay. World-class hair and yeah. beard combo. <laughs> that, like, oh, yeah, follows yeah. the same line. Like, bald in the middle, but <laughs> full head I, of hair like in the it. back. I love it.
2: Like did he put like a bowl over the front of his face and then just like trimmed the
1: hairline? I, and the beard I don't know gold? how he did it. Like it's it's, and like the combination of the beard too when he had the beard. Like you know his later years he he got rid of the beard, but uh, it's just so perfect. Like it's it's like I I don't know how he did it. Like I don't know who told him to do it or how he did it because like nobody else really had that style. But it's well, uh, it's a unique one. I love it.
2: And that, that's when they still let him wear a gold chains on the court too. So he also had gold <laughs> right, chains just playing the game. That's like so awesome. you just look like the coolest on court.
1: Yeah, that's my favorite memory. They have um, the the video they played before Bulls games. They show Nate Thurman on there, which is, is unique because I, I remember looking it up and going like, really, that's like a, a historically unique guy that we had to put on there? But I guess those were uh, not the best of times. But yeah, he's where, he's wearing his gold chain. And like you said, the best part is he's he's there's a double team and he passes out of the double team. That's his highlight is like somebody is double teaming Nate and he makes a great pass and his gold chain's flopping in the air. It's, it's great with this little like pseudo horseshoe like Way too above the head horseshoe uh, hairstyle and beard, so I love it. So it gets on there for the double gold chain as well.
0: Yes, so. he,
2: moves,
1: he moves from bubble to very likely thanks to the beard. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <so> I'm, <laughs> I'm putting him as very. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. He's a shoein', so we'll add him to the. I'll edit this part out and put it at the. Uh, uh, Jason and I, we talked about shoeins. We'll put him on that. That one. So. Uh,
0: anything else we have to? Uh, do we all kind of agree on the bubble or? Um uh yeah yeah unfortunately as much as i love
1: the gold chains yeah i i I think he's probably gonna have to be bubble but
0: yeah all right bubble okay um so um we next we have wes unseld uh who i have as we have as likely um played center uh from 1969 to 1981 uh was actually mvp in his rookie year um and made only one uh, all NBA first team. Um, no second teams, uh, 58th all time in wind shares 107th, um, uh, in wind shares per 48, uh, five times was, uh, top 10 in, uh, wind shares, And, um, uh, was again, w- w- he, he had, um, he had four finals appearances in his career, including three and five years with one title. um, And, um, was known for his incredible outlet passing and for his, uh, rebounding in defense, despite you sort of being, um, undersized. And as Curtis said earlier, square shaped, um, (laughs) so, uh, so Curtis, what do you think of, uh, Wes Unseld?
2: Uh, he he reminds me a lot of Willis Reed, um, except he had some longevity to his career. Uh, not as good a score as Willis Reed. Willis Reed did have some offensive punch, but um, he reminds me of Willis Reed in the fact in the way he led his team. Because Reed, we forgot to mention it's like he was, you know, quick to throw the fists at people. Uh, they start messing with the with his team. Uh, Wes Until wouldn't quite, you know, start throwing up punches, but, like, you know, just his presence. Like, he would just walk over and shove somebody or just stand in between people, and that would just shut down any confrontation. Um, so that counts, I think, a tremendous amount when you do also remember that he, he went to four NBA finals during his career. Uh, so he didn't score a lot, but he was a great passer, uh, fantastic rebounder, great defender. Even though he couldn't block shots as a center. Still a really great defender. He just, like, just occupied space. And, like, you just could not score around him. Like, he would just take up that space. You had to find another way to to get a bucket. You weren't going through him. So uh, I think that should count for a lot. Whether it completely overtakes his lack of offensive scoring, I'm not sure. But, um, I don't know, just thinking about it at the moment, I'm thinking those four NBA Finals appearances, the fact that the Bullets franchise has been crap before him and after him, I think says a lot about his leadership qualities and how he kept that team together. Um, like, he had a lot of good compliments, like Earl Monroe, Elvin Hayes, Bob Dandridge, Phil Chenier, but he was the guy that was always there keeping that team together. And as soon as he sure. showed up, they got really good. As soon as he left, they got really bad. So, um, I don't know. I thought, I'm thought i leaning toward a likely vote for my, myself uh, with Wes Unseld.
1: Yeah, I am gonna go likely as well. You know, looking at a lot of the stats he did, you know, led the league once in field goal percentage. He's seventh all time in, in in rebounds per game, thirteenth all time in rebounds, you know, second in win shares among his peers, slightly behind Kareem. Uh Kareem had uh 205.1 and uh West Hensel had 110. So, you know, uh the, you know, the, right right in the ballpark there. Uh, third in value over replacement players, sixth in uh box plus minus. You know, th- a lot of stuff there. I mean, I, I think his resume definitely it, it, scoring you know there's a lot there that, that could be desired or, or at least you know efficient scoring wise i i would lean towards likely and, and and feel like he's pretty much a guy that i don't think i would feel comfortable knocking him out of the top 50 uh, i think and, and the success too like curtis mentioned and, and jason you mentioned as well the the team success with one west on is 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 remarkable and the fact that he's still in a lot of ways synonymous with washington basketball like like you know that's I think there's something to be said for that, for sure. I mean, that, that guy has had a historic run on that team with that city, with the basketball culture of that city. So, yeah, for me, I, I would be hard-pressed to have a top 50 list without him on there. But I, I, I could see an argument, but I, I would probably leave him on there for sure.
0: And our uh, last top 50 player is uh, Bill Walton, who we have listed on the bubble uh center played from 1975 to 87 had uh one mvp and also a runner-up mvp um was uh one off all, all nba first team one second team twice on the all defensive uh first team and these all basically happened in the same season 77 and 78 um where he was an elite player was the uh won a championship in 77 was the uh mvp the next year uh then um uh injuries robbed him of um most of the next uh five or six seasons, but he was able to uh, come back and be a key role player on the 86 uh, Celtics was a transcendent uh player for a short time, but um uh but unfortunately injuries robbed him of um most of that. He is not in the top 50 uh, in wind chairs. He would be hundred and thirty first in win chairs through for 48 if he had enough minutes to qualify. so, um, and, um, so Curtis, uh, how do you feel about, uh, uh, Bill Walton is, is his peak or uniqueness enough to overcome his lack of longevity? I don't think so. Um, if this was like the 50 most ta- talented
2: players in NBA history, I think he's in there without a doubt, but oh, sure, uh, uh, yeah, we're talking about 50 greatest. We talked about all of our criteria, <laughs> how you like got to mix it in and come up with this magical formula. Um, Like, he had two great seasons, and even those seasons, he still missed a a lot of games. And he had, you know, two great seasons with the Blazers. Uh, Then that one comeback year at the Celtics. Uh, But that's like, you know, that's three seasons of importance in the NBA. And I can't say, no matter how good they were, I can't say a guy that had three. And one of them was as a six man. So really two seasons as, you know, a top flight NBA player, that can't get you on the, the 50 greatest list of all time. Um but I mean God, this is just something where you like you wish the guy did not break his foot because he was so so good on defense, on yeah. offense, passing the ball, everything. Um uh, yeah, this is the the player that you wish out of all the players, at least for me, out of all the players in NBA history, this is the guy I wish he had not gotten hurt because
1: I think he had the most to offer of those people that did uh, suffer major injuries. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I mean, I, I – oh, sorry. You go ahead, Jason, if you want. No, no, no. You, you go right. Well, yeah, it, it's a guy that, I mean, I – for me, he's one of the first guys that I would probably take off. And not because – like you said, it's not because of skill. It's not because of, of, of what he could bring to the table. It's just what he did bring to the table. And that it wasn't his fault. I mean, the, it, it's a guy – yeah, it's a guy that you always think of as – uh, what could have been, and 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 I'm right with you. He's a guy that that's still to this day, I'm like upset that we never got the full Bill Walton. We never got the peak Bill Walton in the NBA, and it it it, it just sucks so much that it never happened. But uh, yeah, he's hard to leave it or, or to put in because it's just there's not much there. There's not much to really go on. There's not there's the longevity's not there. The peak's good, but like yeah, like like Curtis, I think you brought it up too. Is it, the peak's there, but it's it's. I mean, it really wasn't a full, full, full peak because we never really got to see that quite yet. So, I, yeah, for me, he's one of my first that I'd probably knock off and, and, and by no fault of his own. It's just circumstance that got in the way. But, yeah, there's nothing to really tout or argue or, or do anything with that because we just didn't see anything. He <laughs> just didn't play enough to, to really have a, an argument one way or another. But, yeah, it's, it sucks.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think we're going to close by talking about maybe, uh, some of the players, um, who are, who didn't make the list who might be, you know, worth, uh, talking about and, um, and discussing, uh, Curtis. You know, you you um, you know created your own uh, top fifty greatest players list. And so, so why don't you kind of go first about maybe some of the players who you feel like you know, deserve consideration and, and didn't get so for for whatever yep. reason?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'll preface uh, everything I'm going to say. Like you know, <laughs> given my rant earlier, like I consider players who uh, played in obviously the NBA, but also. Uh, the predecessor leagues, so that would be the NBL and the BAA, and also people who played in the ABA. So I considered all those stats, all those pro teams, all the championships from all four of those leagues, considering this. Is I considered all those four leagues to be like, you know, the NBA history. All four of those, I think, should be considered with that. So, um, so with that said, let's see, I was, guess I'll just highlight the people that didn't make the original uh, All-50 team. Uh, I put artist Gilmore on my list. Um, this is a guy who had uh, ABA MVP, ABA Rookie of the Year, ABA title, um, and has some ridiculous like win shares per for forty eight stats. I think he's ninth all time when you include NBA and ABA stats. He's ninth all time in win shares per for forty eight. So, and uh, fantastic. We're talking about beard and um, hair
1: combos. This dude also had a great <laughs> afro and beard combination. So. Oh yeah. Oh. Um,
0: so, yeah, yeah, that's gonna, so gonna 50- that's
1: gonna rank highly on my final list as well. His, his, <laughs> his hair and beard is 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 gonna be and and extra points for any jewelry that was visible during your playing as well. So
2: yeah, and also um the best combination of like high scoring and high field goal percentage over the course of a career. Um, Will Chamberlain kind of got there toward the end of his career, but his scoring was going down so much. Like he was taking like you know ten shots a game and making seventy percent of them. But Artis was taking, like, 18 shots a game and making 65% of them. So he was, you know, deadly dunking the ball in with his hook shots. So he's, I think he's really an underrated player, both on offense and defense. Um, let's see. Some more players. Uh, Bob Davies. Uh, this is a guy that got obviously gets kind of uh, forgotten about. I won't, I won't even say underrated. He just gets forgotten about because he played in the 40s and 50s uh, with the Rochester Royals. And he was a uh, – MVP in the NBL and then won an NBA championship in 1951 with the Royals and was one of the players to really popularize, like, you know, between the legs dribbling and behind the back dribbling and passing. Uh, Bob Cousy gets a lot of credit for that, which he rightly does, but Bob Davies was doing that, you know, five, six, seven years before Cousy showed up in the NBA. So, um, Bob Lanier, uh, a guy I felt should have been on the original 50 list for the NBA. Um, We mentioned earlier on the guards episode, but he played on some Pistons teams that, you know, kind of stunk, except for like, you know, a couple of years. But uh, he suffered from some bad GMs. He also got kind of a little bit of reputation as like a difficult player to coach. But I think that was more on just Detroit being dysfunctional, because when he went to Milwaukee, uh, he did a great job on that team at the end of his career. Uh, Didn't score as much, but he was like a rock solid presence in the middle. Helped them get to some conference finals. Uh, So I think that kind of showed what he could have achieved throughout his rest of his career if he had some, you know, functional teams and franchises uh, to have played for. Uh, Another guy, uh, this is from the NBL. Once again, this is Bob McDermott will not ring a bell with pretty much anybody who's listening right now, probably. Um, But he was a four time MVP in the NBL uh, four straight years with the Fort Wayne Pistons. So. Uh, You know, the NBA wants to talk about his history. Well, the Pistons is one of the – actually, it's the oldest franchise that's in the NBA. And Bob McDermott, you know, he has a pretty solid case of being the best player to ever play for the Pistons. Uh, You know, talk about Lanier, Isaiah Thomas, uh, whoever you want to – I don't know, Chauncey Billups, whoever you want to throw out there. Uh, Bob McDermott might be the best player to to play for the Pistons. Uh, Four straight MVPs, got them a couple of championships in NBL. uh, And he was noted for taking shots from 30 feet out and was nailing them. So uh, he was like the long-distance gunner in his day. Like, people just give him the ball, he'd chuck it up from 30, 35 feet, no problem, and he'd be making the shots. Uh, So really big-time player. Uh, Gary Payton, I put on my list. I don't think I should say much about him. Everybody kind of knows about Gary Payton at this point. Uh, Pretty fresh in people's memories. Um, Got Jim Pollard. He was a forward for the Minneapolis Lakers. Uh, so he got them uh, all their championships, like all the championships they won with George Mikan, they won them with Jim Pollard by his side, too. So I kind of think of him as the simplest ways, like, you know, kind of the Scotty Pippen to George Mikan's Michael Jordan. if That's kind of the simplest way for people to think about that. Um, but Pollard was one of the most athletic players in his day. Uh, rumor had it. Again, this is just rumor. Rumor had it that he could dunk from the free throw line. But didn't do it during games. Only would do it during <laughs> only did it during warm-ups. Of course. Because again, like he'd even dunk at all during games. Like he could dunk. His nickname was the kangaroo Kid as well. But um he wouldn't dunk during games. Because back in the 40s and early 50s, if you dunk during a game, you're showing people up. And if you show people up, they would beat you up during the game. So he kept it for the warmups. When the game started, there was no dunking. Uh but I've seen some film of him. And uh this guy was athletic. Like he was Jumping around the court, like he was sliding between defenders, make some acrobatic layups. Um, he was incredibly fast. So I think he's one of those players that if we have more footage of, we could show it to people, uh, he'd, get, he'd be, get a lot more uh, resonance and a lot more uh, credit for what he did for the NBA. Uh, then we got John Havlicek. Wait, no, he's on the list. Um, sorry. Uh, Leroy Edwards, another guy from the NBL. Um, he was a three-time MVP from the NBL. Um, play for the Oshkosh All-Stars, and we all know them, right?
1: Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. We just Oshkosh. did a podcast weeks ago about the uh, breaking down all our, our favorite Oshkosh All-Stars memories.
2: So. <laughs> yeah, no, this guy, um, he was left-handed center, stood about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and uh, he was putting up occasionally like 30-point games. I know this doesn't sound like a lot today, but he played in the 30s and 40s. And if he put up 30 points in a game back then, the average score of both teams was like, you know, a 50 to 45 score. And if he's scoring 30 points, like he is completely controlling the game, um, dominating the game, uh, got a championship with the All-Stars, uh, took them to, I think, four M- uh, NBL finals during his career and uh, made like six or seven all NBL first teams. So um, he's like the, the first great player from in what is now the NBA. Uh similar story with Mel Daniels, except he was in the ABA with the uh, Indiana Pacers. I uh, got a couple of MVPs with them and three championships with the Pacers. So um, I'm comparing a lot of people to Willis Reed in this episode for some reason, but he played at the exact same time as Willis Reed. He played a similar style as Willis Reed, kind of the Intimidator Center. Uh, a little bit short for a playing center, but um, really would go to bat for his teammates, held the team together. And uh, he got them through championships. And um, I think those early seventies Pacers were probably the best team in the NBA and the ABA when you look at their rosters. So uh, I think he gets a lot of discredit because he did play in the ABA. And the last two players are Steve Nash and Vern Mickelson. So Steve Nash, again, everybody knows about him pretty recent, uh, just retired and uh, Vern Mickelson played with the Lakers back in the fifties. And, um, He's a player that doesn't get enough credit for creating what we think of a, you know, a typical power forward because in college he played center, but when he got drafted by the Lakers, they already had George Mike in play center. So first they were like, eh, let's try to play both of these guys at center. Let's see how it works. And it didn't work at all. Like it was just a complete disaster. Um, So the coach of the Lakers was like uh, John Cundla. He told Vern Mickelson, like, all right, Vern, I know you played center, why don't you just play forward, but all I'll ask you to do is grab rebounds, play the other team's best big man, and set some picks, and if you get some offensive rebounds, put it back in, and that's where they're starting from. And eventually, he learned to to make jump shots to spread the offense, uh, spread the floor away from George Mikan, and uh, was kind of like the intimidator for the Lakers, uh, got into a lot of fights, uh, so People got into fights before that, but there wasn't this idea of, like, oh, we have a power forward. He's going to go out there and guard the team's best big man. He's going to grab all these rebounds. He'll stretch the floor we need him to, to open up space for our center. Uh, And he was the first guy to really do that. So um, got four championships with the Lakers, made, I think, six or seven all-star teams, and basically created what we think of as the power forward position. So I think that gets him on the top 50 list, in my mind. And so... Besides that, everybody else I got on my list is, along with the people that were on on the original um, NBA list for 50 greatest players, and I should also add that I only qualified people who are retired right now. So uh, people like LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or Tim Duncan, when they retire, they will clearly make the list. I had to bump somebody off, but as of right now, I'm only doing retired players, so they're not going to make the list until they hang them up.
0: Do you think Peyton would have been somebody who should have been considered on the, uh, on the list in 96, or do you think it, he was probably a little bit too early in his career?
2: No, that was, he was just hitting his stride, uh, in 96, 97. Uh, he's unique in that fact that uh, he was a point guard that really didn't bloom until he got to like 28 years old, like 27, 28. And then he just kept going He was like 34, 35 before he really started to like really hit the skids. Um. So I know we think of him as playing, like, and he did. He played on those great Sonics teams from, like, the mid-'90s. But he, as a player, like, personally, he didn't get to his best until the late-'90s, early 2000s, which was after the
0: Sonics had peaked as a team. Yeah. Um, yeah, For me, you um, only a few others that I think, you know, are interesting. You know, uh, Dominic Wilkins, who I do think should have made the original top-50 list. But I'd, but at this point, I don't think he probably, you know... um would be on the um, uh, you know, he probably won't make our list just cause he's a little bit too far down and was a little bit too one dimensional, but you know, I'm showing some bias there as a Hawks fan for Dominique, but I'm willing to um, go with that. Um, Adrian Dantley scores really well in advanced stats. Uh, he's 33rd in win in wind shares 27th in wind shares per 48. Um, I remember um, the, that there was some sort of some interesting data. We'll have to look it up more deeply if we do a, a show talking about him, but, um, the article that kind of showed like that he might've been a guy who was really difficult to play with, you know, even though he was such an efficient scorer and, you know, and shot free throws really well. He was just a guy who, uh, for whatever reason, teams didn't play as well as they were expected to. Um, even though he was of course on the, on the Pistons teams that, um, uh, were successful, even though he was traded before they won the championship. Um, and um and and Dan Issel, um who um if you look at just his nba only stats they're still pretty good he's 42nd in win chairs per for 48 but if you include his aba numbers he's 22nd all time in win chairs, 34th in wind chairs per for 48 i think he's a guy who you know has never as far as i know has never really been part of that conversation but at least i think he's worthy of someone who should be kind of thought about like in uh those terms as a, a possible top five, 50 candidate
1: yeah. Yeah, he's one, Danley's one that, oh, sorry, go ahead, Curtis.
0: Oh, yeah,
2: like, so, like he was one of the last players I left off when I was making my list, uh, and I, like, hated myself for doing that. I was like, I really want Dan Nissel to be on this list because he never gets credit for being such a good player for so long. But um, I had a hard time getting him on the list. And another one, uh, Neil Johnston uh, from the Warriors back in the 50s, uh, he led mm-hmm. the NBA in scoring three straight years. Uh, was the best center in the NBA, I think, for those three years. And, like, you know, the second or third best center for, like, a six-year period. Uh, but his career was too short in the end. I hated leaving him off. But he only played, like, six good years. And then he, like, just, just blew out his knee. So uh, that
1: ended his career. Uh, yeah, so well, I couldn't even note that he wasn't uh, he wasn't even on the 25th anniversary team either. Yeah. So he can't yeah, get so any yeah, he, uh
2: <laughs> Yeah, I
1: know. He's gonna get uh, Sidney Moncrief. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Moncrief is another one that we uh, we put on our list, and and, and he's a, a tough case to make, uh, but he's one that I, at least I think is worth mentioning, you know, um, 120th in total win shares, but 28th in uh, win shares per 48, uh, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, uh, and unfortunately not even in the Basketball Hall of Fame, which is terrible.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's some bullshit. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs>
1: that is bullshit.
2: I, I was going to say that, yeah, Sidney Moncrief ought to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame.
1: Why is he not? Has anybody ever come up with an actual good reason or
0: no? Because they're full, like, yeah. Because like I, of all I, the like... Hall
1: of Fames, like <laughs> I mean, with all the stringent, like I get, like there's there's a lot of snubs, but there really probably shouldn't be that many snubs in the basketball Hall of Fame. But this is a pretty glaring one.
2: Like, it, like it is the basketball Hall of Fame too, and he like he was really good at the University of Arkansas. Like he got right exactly, yeah. Court, like,
1: so like what <laughs> I yeah I like that's a, and that's a big thing like the baseball hall of fame is usually I mean it's just you know MLB stats and it's very stringent in the voting period basketball hall of fame we see plenty of people on that list that are, are are just there a lot of it just for strictly college stuff and and Moncrief had a great NBA career and a great college career I don't know what the hell you want from the man yeah if Ralph Samson that, the you... hall
2: of Fame, like ugh. like
1: uh, nothing against Ralph <laughs> Sampson but if
2: he's in the hall of fame Sidney Moncrief ought to be in there red carpet rolled out let the man walk into the hall of fame. <laughs>
1: We'll have to do a podcast about that soon. Get you on.
0: It's clearly a, a tough topic. Well, need, we need to get the man in there. I mean, come on. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's our next goal. First, we w- we won the uh, Warriors, a championship by doing our first show on Rick Barry. We'll do a show on Sidney Moncrief, get him in the hall of fame and then the Bucks win the championship the next season. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how that's going to work. All right. Well, um, uh, so, uh, anything, any more uh, you guys want to talk about? I think we've we've uh, hit this pretty thoroughly. Yes, we have. Yeah, I I have nothing
1: else on my uh, my docket. Uh, let me look. Let me make sure I didn't
2: leave anybody out. Who needs mentioning? Um... Nah, we're good. I think we got everybody mentioned. Of course, we probably left somebody out, but yeah, whatever. someone's gonna tell us. And that's... Yeah.
0: Well. <laughs> Uh, Curtis, uh, you know, thanks so much for, um, talking with us, uh, about, you know, all the, uh, the, the great, uh, players on this list. And as, you know, we keep, uh, doing this project and, and talking about, uh, uh, newer players, hopefully we can get you on again and uh, chat about, uh, them some more. And, you know, when we'll obviously be bouncing uh, stuff off of you as we, uh, as, as we debate this and, you know, try to figure out our own, uh, top 50 list, um, So uh, thanks so much for for this and for all the great work that you do. We really appreciate it. Oh, no, thank y'all.
2: Y'all do some great work too, man. These are people talking about this stuff. So much appreciated. Y'all do the podcast.
0: All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for uh, listening and checking us out. And we'll be back again soon with uh, more on the top 50 greatest players of all time.